Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us today. Our guest today is Justin Draplin, and he's the owner of several tiny home communities in South Carolina. We're going to be learning a whole lot more about the concept of tiny homes, but he's got a brand new project that he's working on this year that I'm really excited to learn about. He's going to be manufacturing the first ever net positive tiny homes, Um, and that means that they create more energy than they use, and we are really excited to talk with Justin. Welcome to Go Green Radio. So glad to have you on, Justin. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, let's start by having you tell us what a tiny home is. What's the definition, just so we kind of norm this concept for our listeners? Yeah, and it's kind of hard to normalize it. Um, Tiny Mm -hmm. home is actually a very, very vague term that's used to apply uh, to very a wide swath of different types of living situations. So a tiny home could be a RV, a park model RV, a home on trailer, a stick-built building, um, a conversion bus. I mean, so tiny home is used to describe all of those things. Um, But legally, uh, there are a couple of definitions that apply to park model RVs specifically and to uh, stick-built construction specifically, and both of those state that the home must be under 400 square feet. Uh, so for the sake of what I'm working on, those are, the, those are the products that fit within tiny homes that we're in. Gotcha. Now, before we talk about your unique models of tiny homes, generally speaking, what are some of the benefits of tiny homes for the consumer? Yeah, so there's a lot of benefits. Um, it, most of it has to do with uh, convenience and living greenly. Uh, so what I mean by that is when you have a small footprint, a small house, uh, obviously it's less to heat, less to cool, less to clean, uh, and also gives you more time to do other things such as travel, uh spend time outdoors, hiking, those kinds of things. So um, the people that are moving into our communities, generally those are the things they're looking for. They want to live their life. They don't want to spend their life maintaining a home. Right. And, you know, when you talk about living more greenly, is it, you know, uh, you know, is sustainability one of the main drivers for a tiny home or would you say simplicity of living is a little bit more of the driver? You know, I don't know if one's necessarily greater than the other, or better yet, I would say it depends on who you're talking to. Um, I mean, every individual is different. You know, we all have different, we're all from different stripes and different colors and different mm-hmm. backgrounds. So each individual will have their own personal priorities as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, they're really, I, I kind of consider them myself one in the same. They, 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 they just go together. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if you're focused on living your life to live your life, as a general rule, you're also creating less chaos in mm-hmm. terms of the environment and the way you live your life. Um, so I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um, but yes, both are part of the same package for tiny For homes. sure. 
For sure. Now, you own Tiny Home Communities in South Carolina, um, and I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about those communities and some of the amenities and some of the uh, things that you've included in those communities to help them thrive. And and if you kind of have a list of things that you think a tiny home community should include, tell us about that vision. Oh, gosh, that's that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, our community in Traverse Rest, South Carolina, is just an ideal location. So a lot of times you have tiny home communities that are in the middle of nowhere, which is cool. You know, it's great. (laughs) It's, you know, nature friendly and all that kind of stuff. The problem is you're also far away from hospitals and grocery stores and uh, restaurants and, you know, all the things that would help you live your life more fully. Um, So we are really close. We're within one mile to a downtown where there's restaurants and farmer's markets and all that kind of stuff. So I, I do think location is is the single biggest thing when looking at a tiny home community, um, because as a general rule, tiny home people have similar mindsets, right? They want to live a simpler life. They want to uh, be cognizant of the waste that they're creating, um, they want to spend more time outside of their home. So so all of that stuff is going to kind of come with the territory. Um, what I hear is a lot of, you know, stories of people picking a community and then and then realizing where the community, community is or, um, you know, what's actually around there, and that's not satisfying to them. And so we've got people coming to our community. I won't throw anybody under the bus, but there are mm. at least – uh, four other tiny home communities that we have people uh, moving to us from, and we have yet to lose a resident to another community. Um, ah. So I think that speaks volume to the location aspect of it. Um, uh-huh. I mean, don't get me wrong. we Our community is completely gorgeous, and we're wooded, and we have three ponds and creeks. And uh, like I said, we're, we're right close to a downtown. We have a hospital that's like right across the street within a mile of a grocery store. So the, the location package is, is, I think, the single biggest thing when you're looking at a tiny home community um, and whether mm-hmm. or not you want to do one there. Um, other than that, I would say it's very location-specific. Uh, I mean, we're, where you're at will affect what you might want to do on the property um, and what your property has and what it's close to. So we're on a, a major biking trail. So you can get on this dedicated biking path and go all the way into downtown Greenville, which is a, a, a boom in downtown, um, as well as the Traveler's Rest downtown. Um, a lot of communities aren't going to have that kind of amenity, so you might need to make it up with something else, um, more walking trails or biking paths within the community. Um, but I really think it's community-to-community-specific. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that makes it's perfect sense. Looking at where you're at and going from there. Well, I was out on your website, which is creekwalkcommunity.com, and you listed, you know, some of the location-specific amenities. And I mean, it just sounds delightful, and the pictures are delightful. And you know, I think that you're exactly right. I mean, people probably don't want to move. There, there's probably some people who want to live in a tiny home 
completely isolated from others. But, you know, for the most part, a lot of people are looking at the neighborhood that they're moving into. And you've Mm -hmm. got a lot of great aspects to the neighborhood in which you've chosen to build. And, you know, I was looking at the the different models of homes that you have. Um, I'd love for you to talk to us about the lakeside park models that you're using for your existing tiny home communities. And, And tell us in your mind what sets them apart and makes them an attractive model for your community? Yeah, good question as well. So uh, Lakeside is owned by Clayton Homes, which is the largest uh, mobile home manufacturer in the country, which is owned by Berkshire Hathaway, which is a mm-hmm. uh, Warren Buffett company and you know, mega, mega billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I looked at was um, longevity of the manufacturer. Um, you know, t- as tiny homes became cool, uh, more and more people thought they could make them and then started selling them. And then you have this influx of people going out of business and going bankrupt and people not getting their money and not getting their product. Um, and I really wanted to avoid that situation. Um, so one, going with a, a, a very well-established company that has a, plenty of financial backing, um, so you don't really have to worry about whether or not they hit a tough spot, um, something going to happen with your home. Um, but on top of that, it was just a quality of construction. Um, they do make a good product, uh, you know, hardy plank siding, steel roofing, um, shiplap inside. Uh, you know, so they have a good balance of quality and price, um, which is hard to come by. Um, and I really wanted to just deal with one company um, because we didn't want to work with a whole bunch of different builders and then you have to different warranty issues because we handle that for all our, all our residents. So any warranty issues, uh, we help organize it. We get it done for them. We deal with Clayton on their behalf. Um, you know, normally when you buy one and you get it delivered, there's issues because these things are traveling. So, mm-hmm. uh, doors are out of whack. Um, trim comes loose and a lot of people don't think about that stuff with a tiny home. Um, but, and usually it's covered by a warranty, but a lot of them, if you're on your own, it's you battling with the company to try to get this stuff done. And, you know, you have to pay for it and organize it and then get reimbursed. And, you know, it's, it is kind of a headache. Um, so we just try to make it as easy as possible for people. That's really smart. I mean, and I think that that's, you know, that's definitely not what people want to be doing when they are purchasing a new home of any size. And so I think that's a great service that you provide. You know, we're going to spend some time uh, diving into a discussion about the new models that you're developing. Um, But before we do that, I'd love for you to talk to us about what inspired you to go even further with the sustainability of the tiny homes that you provide and go to net positive tiny homes. What factors drove the decision to pursue that goal? Yeah, and pursuing this is something I've been doing for years. Um, I mean, my dad was a builder, so in the back of my head, that's always been part of who I am. Uh, I never was really involved in it a whole lot other than, you know, being a kid and getting to see the new construction homes and all that stuff. Um, and I, you know, it, it's a natural fit for tiny homes. Uh, like I said, we talked about that mentality of people that are pursuing tiny homes and, um, you know, that it is a sustainable living product to begin with, regardless of the technology in it. That's what tiny homes are about. So it's definitely a natural progression. 
Um, and then obviously just what's going on in our society and the awareness that people have now with uh, the environment and how we're affecting the environment. Uh, and then the fact that a lot of this technology has existed and nobody's using it. So I kind of compare it to Tesla and that, like, Tesla didn't invent the electric car. Um, I mean, that's been around for many, many, many years. Um, but they're the first ones that went all in. They kind of, they burned the ship, as the saying mm-hmm. goes, and said, this is, we're just going to focus <laughs> on that, and that's all we're going to do. Um, and so nobody, no, no builder has done that yet. Um, I mean, builders have dabbled in it, or you have like the super high-end custom builders that, mm-hmm. you know, they have the client that's willing to spend a quarter million dollars on the roof to do a solar shingle roof. Um, but nobody's just committed to it and said, listen, if you want our product, you have to buy all these super high energy efficient, everything across the board from the, the roof to the walls, to the appliances, uh, you know, nobody's done that yet. So I'm excited for you. I mean, that. this is so really yeah. cool. And we're going to dive into the details. We've got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the details of these new net positive tiny homes. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am so glad that you tuned in. You know, I feel like our listeners are the best um, of all of the audience folks that we could have. You guys are the best. And I love getting emails from you. Um, And if you want to sound off, if you want to ask questions, if you want to give me any ideas at all, you can hit me up at gogreenradio at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. And I love um, all of the input that you give on this show. It's what's made us such a fun show since 2008. And I'm so grateful. If you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Justin Draplin. And he is about to create something really innovative in the home market. He is creating net positive tiny homes, which will generate more energy than they consume. So, Justin, I'd really love to talk to you about some of the features um, that you'll be using on your tiny home. And our listeners are public policymakers in government. We have college students. We have professors. We have everyday people. Um, but the thing that unites Go Green Radio listeners is we're geeky about science and technology. So we want to hear about these um, components that you're going to be putting into your, your new net positive tiny homes. Let's talk about the fully integrated solar rooftop shingles. I've heard about these shingles, haven't seen them before. So talk to us about this feature. Yeah, this is a really, really cool product. And, and most people are aware of like the Tesla roof um, where it's actually an integrated shingle, right? That's right. a really cool product, but, but Tesla was definitely not the first to do this, Right. So we are working with another company, and it is a, it's a steel shingle with the integrated solar in it as well. So it's not you take a roof and then you put those ugly solar panels on top of it. Yeah. Um, it's integrated into the panel to make it look sharp, sleek, elegant, uh, and looks like it's supposed to be there. And it, so talk to us a little uh, bit more about how they work and what they do and, and how efficient they yeah. are. Yeah. So um, because it's all integrated, obviously it, it does look better, um, but then you can go and add as many as you want. So, or, well, as many as your roof will allow, I should say. <laughs> yeah. um, so you can, so, so it's an integrated system. So you can have a shingle that has the solar on it or a shingle that doesn't have the solar on it. Um, so it's very customizable. And the nice thing is these, these shingles actually come out easily, so they're upgradable. So in the future, um, as solar does get better, we can offer the option to just upgrade those shingles as opposed to re-roofing your whole house. Um, so that's, that's a really cool feature, not only for now, but, you know, as we're going into the future. Um, and the fact that it's part of your roof and not an additional item, it, it, there's less chance of leakage. You know, you've got, when you're drilling into your roof, obviously you're always, you know, causing potential problems with stuff. Um, so having it fully integrated, having the solar in the actual roofing shingle um, is, a, is a big difference. And we, we standardized that for the product that we're launching where every single home we are requiring the solar roof. That's great. That's great. And I think there's a, there are a lot of states. I mean, I live out in California. I used to live in South Carolina, but um, I live in California now. And that is becoming industry standard, along with some other things that you are um, putting into your tiny homes to include something I read about panelized composite interior wall building systems uh, that boast a myriad of benefits like anti-mold and optimal insulation. 
Justin, help us understand why panelized composite interior walls perform differently than standard <laughs> interior wall materials. Oh goodness, yeah. So the so the 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 product that we use is a steel sip, uh, which is a structurally insulated panel, um, and. Gosh, the be- I mean, we could spend the rest of the segment talking about the added benefits of using this product. But um, so let's start with the insulation. So obviously, yeah, when it. you're trying to be efficient, that's that's like the most important thing is how energy efficient your home is. Well, what these have is steel studs on the exterior of the wall, um, and then in in the middle, it's all closed cell foam which is like one of the most energy efficient insulations that you can have. And there is no thermal break. What I mean by that is like you are encapsulating the entire home with foam with nothing crossing that barrier. So in a traditional built home, you've got these studs that go up two by fours or two by sixes. And then you put insulation between the studs. Well, actually what those studs act like is a vent. So those studs have a terrible insulation value. Mm-hmm. So everywhere that there's a stud is actually a leak because the, the heat transfer can come right through that stud because there's no insulation. Oh. So with these, there's no thermal break like that. There, or there's a, there is a thermal break, meaning that there isn't anything that connects the exterior, exterior wall to the interior wall except for insulation. So that gotcha. is just an added benefit to the method on top of the actual insulation value being significantly better. So like on a two by six wall built with two by two by six wood and like the bat pink insulation stapled up there, um, Mm -hmm. that compared to our product as a two by six, um, your R value, your insulation quality value is more than twice as good as your two by six with using wood and any insulation that you put in there. Mm. And, and um, talk to us a little bit about the, the anti-mold component, because, you know, this is something yeah. that a lot of people are aware of that, you know, when you insulate really, really well, there's that potential for the home not to breathe. And when that happens, mold can build up. So talk to us about that feature. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you want your, you still need your home to breathe, um, regardless. Mm-hmm. But with the steel studs and the foam, you know, you don't have wood kind of absorbing that that moisture. Um, mm-hmm. So, as far as the longevity, I mean, this is like a five hundred year product, right? It, right. It's, it's not going to go bad for five hundred years. Um, but from a mold moisture. Um, there's nothing to absorb, absorb that. The, mm-hmm. the insulation does act as a water and vapor barrier. So like mm-hmm. vapors can't even get through it. So huh. from a health standpoint, you know, that's, that's what we're getting to, right, is the health value of uh, eliminating that potential mold, mold growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's no off-gassing. So a big problem with traditional construction is, you know, it's built – some people don't know this, but like it's built with, there's formaldehyde in the wood in the, in the part of the process of making the wood. Um, there's other harmful chemicals in the construction process that all gets emitted in the house. Oh. And so a lot of people are breathing in this toxic stuff and it's not, 
most of it's not super bad, but some people are more sensitive to it than others. And sure. we don't have any of those things. There's no formaldehyde. There's no off-gassing, VOCs. All that stuff is, is eliminated. So there's that, you know, that part of the health aspect of mm-hmm. our product. On, on top of, there's no uh, insect food, right? So with wood, uh, you have to deal yeah. with termites and ants and wood-boring insects and that kind of stuff. Well, there's mm-hmm. nothing for them to eat in our product, so that that problem gets completely eliminated. You don't have that. With the vapor barrier, um, because, once again, a traditional stick-built home has these cracks in it. Like, even when yeah. you staple up insulation, there's still air getting through, which mm-hmm. can carry pollen and mold from the outside in. Yeah. Well, with our our system, there's a it's a complete vapor barriers surrounding the entire house so you don't have those outside vapors or, you know, being in California, like smoke, if there is a forest fire. Yep, that's fire, exactly what that. I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the largest it won't, fire... It won't get in. Yeah, the largest fire in our state's history up until a, a subsequent fire last summer was burning five miles from my house. And it was not mm-hmm. enough to turn the HVAC system off the smoke was getting in. And so that is exactly mm-hmm. what I was thinking about, Justin. You know, there's another feature of your of your new net positive tiny homes that I want to talk about because this is the first time we've, we've talked about this particular uh, item on Go Green Radio, and that is molecular water heaters. Talk to us about those and how they're going to help these tiny homes be net positive. Yeah, yeah and there are, there are different versions of this. Um, but this one is a technology out of South Carolina. It's omic array technology is what it's referred to. Um, it is the only, it's the only one that manufactures it because they own the patent. Um, it's actually was created by the guy that did blue rhino propane um, oh, yeah. back in the day. But this is a, a new, newer venture for him. But the technology, as I understand it, and I am by no means a scientist in, in any remote stretch mm-hmm. of that definition do I fit. Um, but what it does basically is it's a tankless electric water heater. And the big difference is it doesn't have any heating elements. So normally when you have a tankless water heater, it basically makes something get really, really hot and then you push water through it and that's what warms up the water. Mm-hmm. So that's how like the propane would work and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously there's some problems with that. You've got the product going bad because whenever you get anything really, really hot, whether it's steel or anything, it, it tends to degrade faster. Um, but you also have um, uh, buildup of minerals mm-hmm. in the water. So yeah. it starts to accumulate around those heating elements and build up and stuff like that. Well, what this technology does is it actually... Um, makes the water molecules vibrate against each other. And the vibration from the water molecules against each other is what's heating the water. So there are no heating elements. Interesting. Part of what that allows you to do is not use energy when you're not using hot water. So even um, some tankless systems are still, or tanks, they're still using some sort of energy. So like if you have a big old water tank, that's constantly burning to keep the water in that tank hot all Mm -hmm. the time. So it's super inefficient. 
um, or like a tankless, something that has to keep an element very, very hot um, to push that water through uses a lot more energy because it's always on. It's always there. Whereas this product is basically completely dormant except for when you do it. And, and because it is all electric, you can modify it with your phone. You can set water temperatures. You can set limits on how much water can be used. And, That's so uh, cool. I mean, you can That's really cool. fine-tune it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is so cool. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other features and some of the great things to get excited about with Justin's new net positive tiny homes coming this year. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. You know, on Go Green Radio, we talk a lot about climate change. We talk a lot about how we can impact climate change in a positive way. And most of us know that our energy consumption is the single biggest factor in our own greenhouse gas emission inventory. And so we like to cover shows. We like to cover topics that help us reduce our energy footprint. And today we're talking with just Justin Draplin, who is creating a very unique, one-of-a-kind, at least at this point, one-of-a-kind product for homeowners who really want to minimize their greenhouse gas emissions, their energy consumption, which of course is also going to save you some money on those monthly bills. He's creating 
tiny homes that are net positive energy. And that is happening this year. We are so excited to have him on. So one of the things that I was thinking about, Justin, because you own a community currently, a tiny home community in South Carolina, used to live there. Mm -hmm. And I remember it got windy. We had some weather out there. And, you know, when you think about a tiny home, you think about, hmm, could this just go where the wind blows? You know, what will your new homes feature in order to address that issue? Yeah, um, they, it does address it pretty well, um, even though uh, most people don't think so. I mean, tiny homes, they have some weight to them for one, but more specifically, like our roofing and our building structure system that we had talked about in the earlier segments, mm-hmm. um, they meet the hurricane wind ratings, um, like the most strict hurricane earthquake ratings that you can currently get certified for. So like the big... Oh. In Florida, in California, like those extra certifications, our product meets and has already been approved with all of that stuff. So from a structure standpoint, the one that we're building, which is going to be tinyboxhouse.com, is significantly stronger in all of those regards. Now, obviously, you know, the blowing away idea, um, kind of like the Wizard of Oz concept of yeah. <laughs> uh, being picked up, and I, I get that. Um, but that's going to be more about how you secure your tiny home. I mean, from a structure standpoint, ours is pro- it is by far the most secure, strongest tiny home shell that I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. There, there might be one that matches it out there, but there really isn't one that can get stronger as far as the technology that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, as long as you have that done, then it's just about securing your home. And that's going to be location specific as far as how you would do that. But there are definitely ways that you can secure it. But mm-hmm. another big thing I do want to bring up that most people don't really think about is people get scared because of like trailer parks, mobile home parks, manufacturing yeah. housing. And they think, oh, you know, those are the horror stories. Tornadoes come through and, you know, mobile homes are thrown all over the place and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always want to point out two things. One is the construction quality of the product. So part of those, the reason those mobile homes get flattened is because they aren't built like a traditional home. They're, they're built with smaller wood in the inside, mm-hmm. a lot of staples and glue instead of traditional nails even. Um, so a lot of it is just the strength of the structure. And, and like I just said, our structure is in construction is the strongest one that's out there. I mean, we're using steel all the way around the house. Um, it's met all the testing requirements. So that's one. Um, but two, I, I like to point to people, the mobile home is a bigger target, right? So mm-hmm. if wind is blowing and you've got this great big wall um, it can put a lot more pressure on that wall than a smaller target. So there's going to be more wind resistance when those things happen. So being tiny on top of stronger walls helps that. Mm-hmm. And a little analogy I like to use is cardboard. So like if you have a refrigerator cardboard box, generally that's very easy to push over, very easy to squish and flatten and all that kind of stuff. Um, But if you use that same level of cardboard and put it in a small box, you can stand on that thing and it won't crush, (laughs) even though it's the same strength. So that's just something that I came up with to help people kind of understand that difference. But 
once again, on top of that, our shell is, I, I don't even know how many times stronger than a regular mobile home, but it's, it's significant. <laughs> right. Well, now I've got a question for you. First of all, I'd like for you to say that URL again, where people can learn more. Tiny box. Yeah. So the home that we're building is uh, www.tinyboxhouse.com. And our, our first it. model is called House OG for off-grid. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, are these new homes just going to be available in South Carolina, or can these homes be ordered for delivery to other locations? Yeah, we're, we're going to be shipping them all over the country. Um, mm-hmm. Our first ones will meet ANSI 119.5. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which is a park model type of tiny home. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's commonly used in campgrounds for like when you go to a campground and they have like a little cabin set up. Mm-hmm. Usually that's going to be a, a park model uh, RV is usually what those are. So the first ones coming off the line will all meet that code specifically. So okay. anywhere that one of those can go, we can ship and we will guarantee to meet that code. And that okay. can go all over the country. Um, we have some yeah. other things coming down the, the road as well, but that's the primary one initially. Yeah, I can tell you, you know, out in California, we've got a housing crisis, um, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are a lot of ADUs that are being built, um, and a lot of people are looking for, you know, those kind of products. So, but those zoning and permitting requirements are different um, than the one you just described, mm-hmm. but... Um, but hopefully they are coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say anybody interested in that, um, please go to our website and just put your email address in there because we are working on solutions for that. Um, and once again, so we can do an ADU solar roof. You don't have to run an electrical line to it. You don't have to run any utilities to it. Mm. Um, you know, the super insulation walls. I mean, we can, we can do all that for an ADU, um, and that's one of those things like we can do it now, um, but because it's more specific location to location, we're going to mm-hmm. roll that out um, based on interest level and location of that interest. So if like, that makes perfect you sense. know, California, there's a, yeah, if California, there's a lot of demand that pours in, well, we'll go ahead and certify it there because it's all, you know, it's all state by state has different regulations mm-hmm. on those things. So it's more difficult to scale something like that up as quickly as what we're scaling up to. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, Justin. I mean, that's that's obviously the way to go. But I'm glad you have that on your radar because, th- you know, California is an awfully big state with an awfully big housing need. And so it's possible that you, you might be able to help us with the solution or one of the solutions. Now, Justin, you know, you mentioned that your dad was a builder. I'm sure you know that the green building industry has been a, a thing for a while. And there are a lot of certifications mm-hmm. and third-party options for validating the efficacy of project designs meant to achieve net zero or net positive status. Who are you working with to help you demonstrate credible data on the net positive operation of your new home models? Yeah. No, great question. Because, yeah, there, you know, especially in the tiny home space, there's a lot of... Uh, shenanigans that might happen as far as people making claims. Um, But all of our product has third-party verifications of what, what they meet as far as efficiency. Um, You know, the, the structurally insulated panels have all been tested and approved by third party. Um, And each product, I, I offhand, I'll submit a couple of the uh, testing stuff that's been certified. Um, 
but each one is certified by different people because there's different testing that needs to be done on that specific um, item. Now, as far as like our house as a whole, to be very honest, we have not um, had the house individually certified for these things. Um, but like the technology that we're using, like the solar roof qualifies for LEED, L-E-E-D points. Um, it is uh, certified by the CEC, the California Energy Commission. Um, nice. In so it's it's each of the items have has gone through the things that they need to go through to be considered, um, you know, energy efficient and 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 all those things. That that's that's great. Good to know. And you know, I'm curious because this is something that that I haven't explored. I'm sure you know this, but how big is the market for tiny homes? right now and what are the demographics of the average tiny home customer at this time who is looking yeah. for them and how many are there <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's hard to peg to be honest um because like i said that tiny home term is so vague uh, most mm-hmm. people don't realize how vague it is um and what i can say is like from the moment you said how many are there right now to what this moment there's more i can tell you that um <laughs> Because the movement is just growing. I mean, tiny homes wasn't really a thing until 2008, 2009. Now, don't get me wrong. They existed. They, they mm-hmm. were there. But there wasn't really much interest, right? Right. Um, but what happened? You got Tiny House Nation and, you know, HGTV pushing out all mm-hmm. this stuff on tiny homes. You have, mm-hmm. you know, the Great Recession, which really made people more aware of how they're living their lives. And, mm-hmm. You know, do they really need that or those things? Um, so that really, really sped up this tiny home process, this tiny home movement. And so I think what we're seeing now is a further acceleration of that, right? We've just hit, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if technically if we're in a recession or not or, or, or any of that stuff, <laughs> but, you know, obviously we're rethinking the way we live, um, how we want to do things, how we want to spend our time and energy and about our environment and what's going on. So as those things continue to become more prevalent, um, you know, some people grew up with that. Some people, you know, younger generations, the younger you are, the more that stuff has been in your face um, mm-hmm. as opposed to older generations. So that, I think, will just continue to grow, both the tiny home, you know, uh, reasonable footprint type stuff, but also the energy efficiency, solar, all that kind of stuff. It's just going to continue to grow. And I can say definitively, the demand far, far, far outstrips production at this point capabilities. Um, I mean, it, nobody can keep up, which is slowing the growth and the demand. Because when you go to a tiny home builder right now, and they're selling you nine months to a year, most people aren't thinking that far ahead when they you know, jump into doing another home, or maybe mm-hmm. they're thinking about tiny homes for that long, but once they've made the decision to go, they're ready to go. Yeah. Um, so when you tell somebody, you know, nine to 12 months, it's, it's a bummer and it deters people from getting into this. Yeah. Um, so there are some Absolutely. hurdles still. Financing can still be a hurdle, um, mm-hmm. but we, our home actually, our home, because of the way we built it, we have some additional financing options that nobody else can offer yet. 
because that is not, awesome. they don't meet certain qualifications to qualify for the special financing. So That's awesome that you've thought of everything, Justin. I want our listeners to get out on tinyboxhouse.com. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, but we still have much more to talk about. So don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you joined us. Always fun to spend time with Go Green Radio listeners. Um, And I'm really excited that we have had this conversation today with Justin Draplin. His website, you got to check this out, tinyboxhouse.com. What he is uh, working on, these brand new uh, models of tiny homes that are net positive energy, just might be what you're looking for. If you're thinking about, um, you know, home ownership, but you don't want to do the big McMansion and you want to live sustainably, this may be exactly what you're looking for. Now, Justin, for our listeners who are thinking about tiny home life, but they aren't sure it's right for them, what advice do you have for them? Um, what advice? Take your time. Just, uh, Take your time to explore it. Try it out. Um, there's no hurry. You know, I, I, I do meet a lot of people that kind of jump into it. Um, yeah, and I think part of the reason people like our community is because I, I, I don't have a sales process, right? <laughs> it is what it is. I, you know, and, I, and I, my office is in our community. So more than anything, I want people who move in to be happy and have realistic expectations. Okay, so to help yourself and help the movement, take your time with it. Um, rent one for a week or a weekend. Just try living in it. You know, there's no reason to jump in both feet. Like, make sure that you know what you're getting into. Otherwise, it will end poorly. Um, you will not like it. You'll have a bad taste in your mouth. Probably, you'll start telling other people that it's terrible. Um, but just take your time. Do the research. Look at different communities. Drive through different communities. Stay at different communities. Ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. That would be it. Is that one thing or is that like a hundred? I don't know. No, that's that's good. That's good advice because, and it's not what I expected. I mean, somebody who's trying to sell tiny homes is, you know, 
encouraging people to be thoughtful consumers. And I think that's exactly the right message. Um, it may or may not be for everybody, but it, it's one of those decisions that if you've been living differently, you know, it's one thing if this is the first home, uh, you know, right out of your parents' home that you own on your own. That's one thing. But if you already have mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in your life and you're making that transition, you know, it, it is a big decision and it does require um, some getting used to. It's kind of like when people are looking at maybe buying an RV. I mean, you're crazy if you make that kind of an, an investment without trying one out first, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that's sage advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in order to, to maximize the potential of your new net positive homes, I would imagine you're going to need some partners. And, and Justin, I would love for you to describe the perfect set of partners for your new venture. And just in case they're listening to us right now, what would you like to say to them to make them want to pick up the phone right now and get in touch with you? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we, I like working with people. Um, so I'm very interested in any potential partnerships. Um, I do get a lot of calls for it. Um, you know, there's only, I only have so much time though. And so yeah. we are looking to do more developments um, across the country, um, but that takes capital and it takes land and it takes time. Um, so we are building the infrastructure to be able to do that across the country. So people interested in getting involved with that, um, and I don't mean just anybody, honestly, like not to be rude, but just volunteering time isn't going to get a development going. Like I said, mm-hmm. the capital constraints are just huge. And, or if you already have land and you're like, oh, I'm thinking of doing this and we could just partner and you own part of the project because you're, you're bringing the land into it. Those kinds of opportunities are great. Um, you know, we're looking for uh, additional campgrounds or individuals that want to do a hunting lodge, you know, because we can go off grid, we can help with a lot more. Um, you want to put a, a tiny home in the middle of the desert? Like we can do that. We got water catchment systems where we can refilter and reuse water that you're using. Um, we've got, you know, septic and toilet solutions for that. Um, so, I mean, we, we are unlocking a whole new level of opportunity because of these homes being able to go off grid. So even if somebody wants to do a whole neighborhood of tiny homes, it's not as difficult because you could decide, you know what, we're just not going to do any sewer in the community. We're going to just use all these homes. Now you don't have to run sewer or you don't have to have a local electrical provider to run electrical to the homes or, uh, you know, so from a development perspective, using these homes gets much easier. So now your development costs, does go down, you know, there still is an expense, but, Mm -hmm. um, so anybody that sees the product gets it and has ideas, um, and potentially capital or land to pursue some of those ideas, you know, we'd love to talk about it and see if there's a way that we can't work together. Well, and the reason I asked that, you know, is exactly that. I I didn't think you wanted partners in the nonprofit world or anything like that. But, you know, again, going back to my home state of California, there are some cities, to include my own, that are strapped with, you know, how to provide a, a an amount of affordable housing with limited land and limited funds. And, you know, oftentimes in order to make that kind of a project work, developers need an influx of capital from 
the city government. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. a it's a public private partnership, and what you're talking about would actually make that a, a lower amount. And and so I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if there are mm-hmm. municipal partners and developers in in those kinds of situations. I mean, we've got some areas in California that. You know, they just have no idea how they're possibly going to meet the state mandates for affordable housing units, given, you know, the 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 funding, the land and, and all of that. So um, we'll see. Maybe that could be you yeah. know something that, that's a, that works. That's a, that's a great point. Um, and we have had one or two. Um, well, maybe a few more than that. But we have had one or two express real interest in that. Um, I do think that this is a. Uh, a very reasonable option for that because of how quickly, uh, you know, w- once we get fully up, up and running with a new manufacturing plant, I mean, we can, we can build a house in two days um, and have multiple lines running simultaneously. So, I mean, we will really be able to pump out homes that meet all these high, high demands quickly. Mm-hmm. And when they're delivered, they're ready to go. And you don't need to run all of those utilities and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. as far as having something ready to go quickly and, and something nice, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, you know, we are, we, are, we are all human. We are all people. And there should be a certain level of quality. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Donating used clothes is great. But at a certain point, like, they don't want to use your wear, wear your used clothes either. You know, they want something new. Um, so people that need that situation, they also would like a nice house. You know, yeah. they don't, um, you, you don't necessarily have to settle, um, but we can provide something for their quality of life that they can be proud of as well. And I, I, I do think we fit that very, very well. That's great to hear, Justin. You know, in the final moments that we have left in the show, what final thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? I wish I would have been prepped for this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Final thoughts. Um, You know, I don't know if this is even related to what we're doing, but I guess it is. I would just say, just do the next right thing. Regardless of housing or life or politics or any, because I don't, you know, I don't want to get into all that, but do what's right in front of you and do the best you can and make the best decision you can with what's right in front of you. And ultimately, I think that's how we make a difference. We don't have to have big plans. We don't have to think grandly. Um, we just have to make wise decisions for ourselves, and that's how we affect the people around us, and that's how we can make real big change. Mm-hmm. Well said, Justin. Well, we are so glad that you could join us today on Go Green Radio, and we wish you all the best. I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank my listeners for tuning in. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.